that in in their form of worship, and um, so it was really a really a immoral mess, and um, and the, and even the Corinthian church because these people later on in chapter six, Paul mentions these things and said such were some of you. That means that that they had got saved and so they were not doing that anymore, but they had been, and so. You've got these uh, Corinthians, these people that were had been saved and, and made up this church there in Corinth. They had been saved out a out of a um, uh, a system of really real uh, immorality and and just you know just all kinds of stuff. And as we go along here, you'll 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 begin to see where there was really not very much that you could think of that they were not involved in before they got saved. I, I believe that one of the securities that we have against sin is is our being shocked by it. Uh, I'll say that again. One of the securities that we have against sin is being shocked by sin. But in our society, that's very difficult now, isn't it? Nothing really shocks us anymore. The, the, me- the media has uh, communicated sexual aberrations through Music through radio, television, books, uh, paperbacks, magazines, and on and on it goes to the place where it's almost with an indifferent attitude that we look at it. You you remember several years ago uh, uh, when there was no profanity on television or radio, and and uh, probably like me, uh, the first time you ever heard a cuss word, you unplugged the TV. You, made it off limits for for a time uh but now it's you know it's just prevalent i mean there's hardly anything even the news anymore they'll use uh what we consider cuss words profanity and and we've just kind of got used to it haven't we now i haven't i hope you haven't either i when i hear that on tv i just turn it to another channel or turn it off um i i try not to watch anything that that is considered a movie because there doesn't seem like there's any censorship at all on those because they, you know, just every other word is a cuss word. And, but, but so, you know, so many, our society in general has just, I mean, that's just become a part of their vocabulary. <clears throat> I remember years, <coughs> years ago <coughs> when we were in Orlando, a preacher that, Come, he'd been saved, and the Lord called him to preach, and and so he's a pastor of a church in uh, St. Mary's, Georgia, and uh, he had, our our pastor there had asked him to come and speak, and he told about, he said, when I got saved, I had to go and take a course in English because I couldn't talk, I couldn't complete a sentence without profanity, because that's the way it had always been, that's the way uh, I had learned to talk, and, and just. He said, I had to go and almost completely learn the English language to, in order to be able to talk and preach without using profanity. And I heard, about, I heard a story when we were in Bible college. Our, one of our professors told a story about a man. He, uh, he, our, the professor we had, he had uh, his family were Lutheran, and he had been saved out of that, out of that kind of uh, faith. And um, but he told about in in the in the 
church that his parents had had been going to that that they had uh, called called a, a new pastor, and um, he had been saved out of a really rough life, you know, the uh, drinking and cussing and all that kind of stuff. And uh, one Sunday he was he was speaking uh, about the devil, and he and he said he got so wrapped up in that 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 he you know he began to cuss the devil. He he called the devil all kinds of names. And then when he realized what he was doing, and of course the whole audience, you know, they were shocked. Uh, but when he realized what he was doing, he stopped, he closed the Bible, and walked out. He left. He was so embarrassed that he'd done it. And so the people sat there for several minutes in silence and just in shock, you know, of what they had heard. And finally one of the men stood up and said, said folks, I, I know that you as, as well as myself you were you were shocked at what our pastor uh, just said what he just did he said you know I've been thinking about it and he said I, you know I think that that uh, we're honored to have a man that hates the devil that much that he would get up and and say things like that he said I think we ought to call him back and give him a raise <laughs> I never have tried that so <laughs> I don't know if that will work or not but but um a lot of times, Peter, even Simon Peter, you know, there there was uh, a time in, that he kind of reverted back to his old vocabulary, and uh, and even in denying the Lord, he, uh, you know, he 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 forgot about being a Christian, and he, he just became a plain old uh, fisherman, yeah, and um, and you you know, fishermen have kind of have a history of kind of stretching the truth, you know, and using using language that, uh, in order to describe some of the fish they catch and all that, you wonder, you know, you wonder about about them. So, so here, um, the 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 church in Corinth, they their um, their problems were all going back to the culture, going back to what they had been used to, what they'd been raised in. And um, up until this point, the problem that that uh, Paul had been dealing with them about in the first four chapters was about division. They were, they were fighting, there was quarreling within the church. They were pretty much based on uh, philosophical, intellectual uh, sin. Um, some of them were uh, attached to certain human philosophies. Some of them were attached to human leaders. And it, it was more uh, of a psychological type of sin. But when we get to chapter 5, we find that they were also plagued by, by the fleshly, physical sins as well. And I think this is usually the case. You know, I don't think sin exists in isolation. When you find, when you find some kind, you're bound to find the other kind too. You find, you find sin, if a person is committing sin in their life, now, you'll find that, that uh, uh, pretty soon there are going to be some other sins that are going to manifest themselves as well. I don't think sin exists in isolation. Uh, where you find one, you're, you're bound to find the other kind too. And it just kind of kind of comes along. Uh, the Bible says the evil men shall do what? Wax worse and worse. They get worse and worse. Uh, societies get worse and worse. Our our, our world, our entire world is getting worse and worse. 
there are things that are going on now you you never you used to wouldn't have heard about, um, and and if and if you did, it was an isolated case. But we're at the, we're at the place now because you know more and more as time goes on, more and more our, our society becomes more and more wicked, more and more evil, and um, we're 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 heading headlong toward the tribulation period. And thankfully for us, we we can uh, we have the hope of the ble- of the rapture of the Lord of the Lord when our when rapture of the church when the Lord comes back, and um, and I I believe I sincerely believe that that uh, we will be taken out before the rap- before the tribulation period can begin. But we're already seeing the world's already set up for the tribulation, and there are things that are taking place that will become prevalent during the tribulation period. And um, and so that that you know that's that's the way it is in any society. It was it was very true here in Corinth. Their sins were not not all intellectual; they were just as just physical and fleshly as well. And so when we come here, Paul stops dealing with division in the church. That was in the first four chapters, and now he deals with immorality in the church. And we have a, a, a situation here of the, of. Um, Sexual immorality that that it says here even that it was even uh, shocking to the pagans. It's not that it was not even named. He said here among among the among the pagans. Now when the sin when the sin of the church shocks the world, that's a problem, isn't it? And um, that's precisely what had happened in Corinth. It wasn't. If, as if they didn't know what God's standards were, they knew. They knew because the Apostle Paul had written to them a previous time, verse 9. He said, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. And so they they knew what to do. They'd already heard from him. They, they had him as their teacher from the beginning. Uh, they had had Apollos. We've already seen that. They had had uh, Peter. Cephas is called there, but that's Peter, Simon Peter. And, um, and so uh, all of these men would have taught them not only the New Testament truth, but certainly the Old Testament principle of how God viewed sexual immorality. Now, they, of course, the New Testament hadn't been written then, but they did have the teaching from, the, from these, these men and from the apostles. But yet they... Um, in spite of the all of the teaching, in spite of all the of what they knew by the witness of the Holy Spirit in their lives, because because at, at this time, uh, it, when a person got saved, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in their body. They were a temple. The, if you were saved, your body became the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so so they had they had the witness of the Holy Spirit as well uh, to that they, they would, would have known these things were wrong. But, but the fact that they had a low style of living uh, before they became Christians and their, life, their lives had been so saturated with sexual immorality, it became a problem because they couldn't seem to shed that lifestyle once they became believers. And so they were very lax in dealing with uh, with this problem, yet if the church was to be pure, they had to say goodbye to immorality. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul puts it very simply. He said, flee fornication. Now, the word there, the Greek word for that word fornication is the word pornea, uh, pornea, P-O-R-N-E-I-A, I think it is, uh, from we, which we get pornography, the word pornography. And it means immorality. Run from immorality. Have nothing to do with immorality. Now, the word fornication, that word fornication, um, it, it is a... It is a word that's a, a, a general word meaning any kind of sexual involvement. Uh, the word the word adultery, there's different, you know, different words that are used for different types of uh, these sexual sins. And the word the word for uh, adultery just means sex outside of marriage. A married person having sex outside his marriage, that's the particular sin of adultery. Now fornication is a uh, as I said, it's a general term that would include adultery, but but also incest and lesbianism, homosexuality, any kind of any kind of sexual perversion, bestiality, uh, sexual relations with animals, anything that be included in that term, uh, pornea. And our word again, our word pornography is that's the word that we use today. Um, the, the word porne, P-O-R-N-E, porne, it means a, a harlot for hire. That's a prostitution, a prostitute. So, so all of these come under that word for, uh, fornication. It can be any, any, of those, any of those things, and that's the word fornication is used. Uh, the, the word P-O-R-N-E, the Greek word, refers to female prostitution the word p-o-r-n-o-s pornos refers to male prostitution but it started out to mean to mean that and the greeks just uh filled it out so that it meant been every vice and they were usually usually big on them. in fact in corinth and athens you have the seed of most of the of the immorality they were according to historians they were the two most immoral cities on the face of the earth and even their worship was immoral. They had prostitutes in their temples where the people went, went to worship. We find that the Bible makes it clear that, that God feels very strongly about this kind of activity. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, going back and telling about in history when they, when they were in the wilderness, they had committed all kinds of sexual acts at the foot of Mount Sinai while while Moses was up in the mountain and God was giving him the Ten Commandments. And um, you, you may remember that. They had they'd made a golden calf and they were having a big, uh, big sex orgy there when Moses came back, back down. And um, he, in 1 Corinthians 10, when he was describing that, talking about that, he said, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day 23,000. You probably remember reading about that over in the book of Exodus. And um, so when, when, when all this was going on, what happened, God, God slew 23,000 of them. So that kind of gives you an idea of um, how, what God thought about it. 
And then, then it goes on in verse 11, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. It says, all these hap things happen unto them for examples. So in, use the word examples, that means examples. And they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages are come. They not not only were not only were uh, this for uh, their benefit, but it's written recorded for our benefit today. That we're we're to you know we might know how God feels about that kind of activity. So the Bible then is very clear about what God thinks regarding sexual immorality, and it's so serious that Paul attacked the problem in Corinth with a, with a vengeance. Now, Paul, he's laid down some basic feelings about this that come, of course, from the Holy Spirit. And uh, first, first Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, This is the will of God, even your sanctification. And the word means purity. The word sanctify, sanctification means purity. And it, what he's saying here is you need to possess, need to possess your body in sanctification and honor not in the lust of evil desire like the heathen who know, know not God. And, and especially for Christians, that is an unthinkable thing. So Paul, Paul is going to deal with it. Now, now what, what, is they, what is the church to do? What is the instruction for disciplining an immoral member of the body of Christ, an immoral Christian? And there are four things that, that he will cover here. Uh, first is, and I'll give you these if you if you want to jot them down. Those that are taking notes, we have first we have the need, and second we have the method, third we have the reason, and then fourth we have the sphere or the limits of that of that discipline. So let's look first of all at, at the need. The first thing you have to do in the church is to see the need. There has to be recognition. Now, now we're talking about an open. We're talking about something that the whole church knows about. Uh, not long ago, uh, in, in a lesson, or might have been in a message, I, uh, I made mention of the fact about how, you know, in confession, there, there's a lot, of, a lot of misunderstanding about confessing your sins and, you know, how you go about and all that. There, there, are, there are different ways to confess your sin. It depends on what it is. And depends on how widespread or how known, how known it is. If there's personal sin, if there's something that that you're you're doing is just a personal sin, the only one you need to confess that to is God. If we confess our sin, speaking about uh, there to God, He's faithful and just to give us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if it's a sin against a brother, and uh, if or another person, then you're to go to that person and ask for forgiveness, and and uh, and the Bible gives the order for that. If they don't, if they don't forgive you, then you're to take two or three uh, other witnesses and and uh, you know try again for the person to ask forgiveness from that person. If it's something that is known and it's widespread, everybody. Just like here in Corinth, everybody in the church knew about this. This was an open sin. So then it's to be dealt with by the church. First of all, you follow, you follow the order that I, I just gave, but then if there's no repentance, if they don't 
if it's not made right, then it's to be dealt with by the church. But not until you, first of all, have followed the other, the other order. Uh, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times I think more damage is done when, it, when a thing has been made open than if you just you follow the order that God's given. I, I don't know how many people after, after I had uh, preached on that and taught on it, how many people after that said, Preacher, I, you know, I'm so, I'm so glad you, you uh, taught that because I've always wondered about those kind of things. And, and uh, practically everybody was here. It must have been on a Wednesday night. Uh, they said, you know, I, I never knew that. Never, had never been taught that. But the Bible gives the order for it. There's no reason for us not to know it. And so, um, but see what, what this is. This is something that is known. Not only is it known by the church, it's known also by people outside the church. See, he, he said here, he said here, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. This is something that was not only known, and it was an open thing. Later on, Paul, Paul and he's still dealing with this kind of thing. He said, you're puffed up. You're puffed up, you're, you know, you're, you're, pri you're proud, you're proud about this. And he said, uh, he said, you, you have not mourned. You have not mourned. Instead of being proud, instead of being boastful, and see what they had been doing. You know, we're talking about how, how religious they were because, you know, they were saying, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I follow Paul. I mean, I like Paul. I mean, he's my man. He's my hero. And another, well, I like Apollos. He's my man. And one, uh, another group that likes Cephas. And so he said, you know, going around with your thumbs in your lapels and bragging about who you're following and and uh, all of this going on. And he said, instead of instead of mourning about this, you're boastful. So this this is not just this is not just a, you know a normal type thing. You agree? Uh, this is not a normal type thing. I mean, this is an open thing, and and here it is. He was he was living with his father's wife. Now that means that was not this guy's mother. His father's wife, which would have been a stepmother, um, but the. The, um, the the thing is here, it was it was an open sin that the everybody they were just you know condoning it, uh, and and everybody knew it. All the church knew it. Everybody in the community, everybody you know, people outside, they all knew it, and um, and it was a thing that was going on, a continual thing, because he said that that fornication exists among you. So, so it was it was something that had been going on and was continuing to go on. Now, how would you like for for uh, you to be in a church where that the most common thing that's known about that church is that that uh, fornication. That's a that's a church where 
fornications going on. Hadn't you rather be about be known as a soul winning church? Uh, man, I would, you know, I'd hate for for something. Come, he said it's commonly reported. Commonly reported. You know, one of these one of these preachers here goes to a preaching meeting and say, um, you know, I'm pastor of the uh, uh, Corinth Baptist Church, and uh, uh, we're we're known as the Church of Fornicators. <laughs> How would you like that? Also, you're doing something even the pagans don't do. The sin was a man having a relation with his father's wife. <clears throat> now, as I said, his father's wife, that means his stepmother. If it had meant his mother, it would have said mother. But it, it, it didn't say his father's wife. And so that's, um, that means, and it was a stepmother. And um, what happened here was, was, was likely this. There, here was a man, this guy's dad, his, probably his, fir his first wife had maybe died or whatever. And so he remarries, he has a second wife, he's got a son, and his son starts to be attracted to his father's new wife. That's not something that's ever, you know, not, had never happened before, is it? And pretty soon this relationship between the son and the stepmother begins to grow and it becomes a sinful relationship. And what happens is they divorce. The reason we believe it's divorce has occurred is because the sin is called fornication, not adultery. Remember what I told you the difference? And it says here in the Bible, it says fornication. So that means then that, that his dad and this woman, they have divorced. And so now what's going on is fornication, not adultery. Fornication is the sexual immorality outside the marriage. If if it if it had been that, then uh, then the uh, sin then with his father's wife, if if she had still been his wife, it would be called adultery. Now, the uh, so likely the son. He's brought about a divorce, and the wife is now freed from that from his dad. So now uh, she's joined herself to the son, and they're living together, having a relationship. So, so he's stolen his father's his father's wife. Now there are three 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 features of the relationship that I think are evident. The present tense at the end of the verse, one is continuing to have his father's wife means that the relationship was a lasting relationship, is a continuous, permanent relationship, not a one-time thing, not a momentary thing, but a permanent deal that had been arranged. Now, the second feature is not only the lasting, continuous nature, but the second thing that uh, there, likely there, there was a divorce, and I mentioned that, that already the divorce had taken place. And then the third thing is that the woman was not a Christian. Now this man, the man here, the son, uh, he obviously is a Christian. He's, he's a member of the church there. And, and so um, he, you know, he, at least he's a professing Christian. 
but the woman is not. So, so here's a guy who had no right to do what he did on top of fooling around with his father's wife uh, to the place that a, that a divorce took place, and, and she has a relationship with him. Uh, she's also, she's not even a Christian. And so he, he is uh, unequally yoked with her. And so the whole thing smells from top to bottom. The stealing of the wife, the illicit relationship, and with an unbeliever. Now, in the Old Testament, anytime anybody did that with a stepmother, that was considered to be incest. That's another word now. But that comes under fornication, incest. Now, we normally think about incest. We think about, well, that would be... A blood, a blood relative, you know, we think about um, the daughter or even a cousin, something like that, you know, uh, a blood relative. But but in Old Testament times, the it, was, it, it didn't have to be with a blood relative. It could be even with a stepmother or stepfather, the case may be, but as long as it was not a, not a blood relative, it would still be called incest. Because there, <clears throat> there's a whole section in the book of Leviticus that deals with this kind of thing, the laws that, that were given, and well, I don't have the time to go into all that, but you can look back there in Leviticus 18, and uh, it, um, in, in, well, I, I'll read you one verse anyway out of Leviticus 18, verse 6 says, None of you shall approach to anyone that is near akin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. <clears throat> so he's, he's saying you don't have any relationship. You don't marry or approach or uncover the nakedness of anybody related to you. That's forbidden. The nakedness of thy father, the nakedness of thy mother, thou shalt not uncover. She is thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. That's incest with your own mother or father verse 8 the nakedness of thy father's wife shalt thou not uncover it is thy father's nakedness in other words you're violating the father's right you shall not take your father's wife so here in the Corinthian church was this terrible and flagrant rejection of the simple command of God Lust had taken over this guy's life. He was now living in an illicit relationship with this woman who was not a Christian and who was his former uh, father's uh, former wife, and yet the church was tolerating. They knew about it. It was open. Everybody knew it. And yet they were not, they, they were allowing it. They were, they were tolerant. That's a famous word today, isn't it? Tolerant. Bragging about it. They were bragging. I'm a Paul. I'm a, I'm a Cephas. Uh, you're bragging about. Paul, Paul is saying here, you're bragging about your worldly wisdom, bragging about your spiritual attainments. And later on, uh, we'll get over into uh, 1 Corinthians 12, in the middle of the book there. Later on, he'll say that, you're the one. This is the church of Corinth now. The one we're talking about here that's tolerating the situation. He said, you're the one with all the spiritual gifts. And that's something. 
You're the ones who come behind in no gift. What are you doing boasting when you're tolerating incest in your congregation? Something wrong. See, that, that's the whole point. And, and he said, and still you're proud. He said, you're puffed up. You, you should rather have done what? What does he say here? You should rather have mourned instead of standing there being proud about your situation. You ought to be on your face weeping. The word mourn there is the word, uh, same word that's used to uh, mourn for the dead. Here they were proud, boasting about all their spiritual attainments, all the things they'd done. And they may have even been boasting about their liberty in Christ and, and using this sort of, of thing as a good illustration of how free that they were in Christ. And yet they were openly tolerating these things. Not, you know, not doing, nobody had gone to anybody. They had not followed the order that the Lord Jesus had given in Matthew chapter 18. They had not given that the order about how this was to be dealt with. They were just not dealing, dealing with it at all. They were just tolerating this open open sin. And and because they were puffed up about it, Paul used that word puffed up, boast, boasting, proud. Then uh, they, had, they had reached the point where they were not shocked. They were not shocked about it. In fact, they were tolerating it. And when we cease to be shocked by sin, then uh, we're, we're, we've come to the place to where we just don't care. We're indifferent. We're indifferent. I think uh, one, of, one of the big things today is that churches have, have, have really just become numb. Nothing surprises you anymore, does it? Nothing shocks you anymore. And this is what, what has taken place in Corinth. Heavenly Father, I ask you to bless the lesson. I pray that you help us to learn from it, Lord, and to, and Lord, the things that we learn, the uh, order of things that you have given us in the Bible and how to deal with issues. I pray that you would, you would help us, Lord, to follow that and, and that we would we would not be known as a church that tolerates sin. We all know that we're all sinners, and we still sin even after we're saved. But uh, but yet we're not not to be known as a church that permits open sin. That people are allowed to live in open sin that everybody knows about, and and nothing to be done about it. I pray that you help us, Lord, not to reach that place of indifference. And that we would, uh, we would actually be looked upon as a very uh, moral people, very pure people. Pray, Lord, I pray this morning that you bless the service to follow, bless the singing, the music, bless the preaching, and I pray that every effort has been made this past week toward the salvation of souls. I pray that you'll honor that, and I pray that you'll reward those efforts with the salvation of the lost. For I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're starting our preaching service in a couple of minutes now. Pastor, stay with us.